Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel Record of Mark. The Gospel Record of Mark in chapter number 3. The Gospel Record of Mark and chapter number 3. We're continuing with our series of the Gospel Record of Mark. And I want to remind you that the Gospel Record of Mark shows Jesus as the perfect servant. It is the book of action, the Gospel Record of Action, which records Jesus' actions. It doesn't take time to go through his discourses, and it doesn't do a lot of personal conversations. But it shows that Jesus is the man of action, and that we could see it as a narrative that one thing happens after another, after another, after another. I would remind you that because of this, there's 16 chapters within the gospel record of Mark. 12 of them start with the word and, including where we're beginning at tonight. And so if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the word of God and turn with me to the gospel record of Mark. The gospel record of Mark and chapter number 3. The gospel record of Mark, chapter number 3. And if you wouldn't mind, notice with me starting at verse number 1. The gospel record of Mark, chapter 3 and verse 1. The word of God says this. And he entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he saith unto the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth. And he saith unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day, or to do evil, to save life, or to kill? But they held their peace. And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, we want to mark a phrase here. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in the Gospel record of Mark chapter 3. The Gospel record of Mark chapter 3. And this event happens in verse number 2, the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day. And what we're seeing here is an event that is occurring on a single day, the Sabbath day, but which is a very important day to the Orthodox Jewish people, which we'll see in just a moment. And as Jesus teaches a little bit more, specifically talking about the Sabbath day. If you wouldn't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come to you, we're just asking that you would open up this passage, that you would just allow the privilege, Lord, of opening up the Bible, letting us see more about you and whom you are, and teaching and understanding things the way that you want them to be taught, not the way that man 
teaches or man tries to explain things, but we want to see the world and the things of it the way that you see it. I'm asking that you would just open up our eyes, give us the illumination of your Holy Spirit tonight, fill me with your precious spirit so that way you could guide and direct me the way that you see fit. Again, thank you that we could count on you and depend upon you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we cover this event, it's covering a single day. And it's in a response to what has happened before. Remember that chapter and verse divisions are not inspired of God, but they continue on. And where we left off in chapter number two was once again, Jesus was dealing with the idea of the Pharisees who were making reference of the Sabbath day. Now, if we fast forward even a little bit more, we can see that <coughs> the, the scribes and the Pharisees had already dealt with Jesus on the Sabbath day concerning him healing someone within the synagogue. Remember, Jesus had a very busy day and the Pharisees had watched that and they were kind of confused with the things that were going on and they were not prepared for Jesus that day. If you don't mind, as we see this continuation of this narrative, this beginning rivalry between the Pharisees and Jesus Christ, or at least the rivalry is one-sided. The Pharisees thought they were against Jesus Christ, but Jesus was not necessarily against them. He wanted them to be saved. Notice, if you don't mind, as we see a couple things within this passage. The first thing I'd like to point out to you is the hand on the Sabbath. The hand on the Sabbath. Now, once again, I said before that the Pharisees had been caught by surprise when Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day before. This time, they said, we are going to set a trap. This was done with premeditation. Notice, if you don't mind, in verse number one. And he, that's Jesus, entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man which had a withered hand. So here's a man who has a hand that's drawn back, it's withered, it doesn't function, it's kind of just uh, non-functional against his body. It's withered and useless. And so here's a man that needs healing. The Pharisees had placed this man in here with the idea that they wanted to see what was going to happen. To prove that, notice with me in verse 2. And they, the Pharisees, notice this they here. It's actually making reference to before. Remember that we had dealt with three different times the Pharisees had objections towards Jesus Christ. We covered the criticism of the Pharisees last time we went through the gospel record of Mark. This is a continuation. They're criticizing Jesus. And so now after hearing him and watching him, they're now setting their first trap for Jesus Christ. And they, the Pharisees, watched him whether he would heal him, the man with the withered hand, on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him. So imagine this. Here's a man who may be minding his own business. He's got a withered hand. And one of the Pharisees said, hey, you hear about this Jesus guy? Yeah, I've heard a little bit about him. Yeah, we hear that he heals people. You want to be healed, don't you? Well, sure. All right, we want you to go into the synagogue, and we know that it's the Sabbath day. We want you to go to the synagogue with your withered hand, and we want you to go in there, and we want to see if he's going to heal you. Okay. Now, sure, this guy was probably an innocent bystander. He did not know that he was being used to, be, to set Jesus up. All he was told is, you go ahead and wait in here, and let's see what Jesus does. Okay. I mean, it's a win-win for this guy. And so he shows up. But he was placed in here 
on purpose as the Pharisees set up a trap. Now the reason why they're setting up a trap is because in their mind to the Pharisees, the Sabbath was the most holy law there was. If you wanted to prove how righteous you were, how holy you were, how close to God you were, their favorite commandment was to honor the Sabbath. And so to them, they had taken the Sabbath law, God's simple law about keeping the Sabbath, and then they had wrote rules about that. Then they wrote rules about their rules, and they made it a complicated thing. But again, to the Pharisees' mind, there was no greater commandment than the Sabbath. Now let me pause here, and just before we get Pharisaical, that oftentimes we get in our minds, certain judges of holiness. We know certain people that believe that the way that your hair is cut is a decree of your holiness. How you dress is the decree of your holiness. What car you drive, how you talk, what you do, what shows you don't want. You know, there's a whole list and what people use as their standard for holiness. But what man's standard for holiness is and how close to God they are is completely different than what God's is. For here, the Pharisees, their most holy commandment, their, their standard of how holy and righteous a person was, was how well they obeyed the Pharisees' rules on honoring the Sabbath day. Now, for the Hebrew people, there were three specific things that kept the Jewish people from assimilating into the Gentile world. These three things would be circumcision, their dietary laws, and the Sabbath. For the circumcision, of course, that is a physical surgery that physically marked them separate than the Gentile world. Their dietary laws was a second thing. There was a lot of rules for their dietary laws. Clean animals, unclean animals, what to eat, when to eat. what all. They had all kinds of rules that went with this. And because of that, they could not eat or spend time with the Gentiles. They had to be separate if they were going to keep their their laws with God. And the third was the law of the Sabbath. To the Gentile world, they could not understand why these people set this certain day every week aside. But that kept them separate and it kept them assimilating. It was something that God had instituted for the purpose of keeping the Hebrew people separate unto himself. And so... In response, because this is what God set aside, the Pharisees had built upon it and they had built a little shrine concerning the Sabbath and said, you had to honor the Sabbath to prove how right you are, how close you are with God. And so here's the setup. They have the man with the withered hand. They have placed him inside of this uh, synagogue during the Sabbath day. Now enters Jesus Christ and they are waiting to see what's going to happen. Now they're going to prove to the whole world that Jesus could not be trusted. Let's watch and see what happens. So we start off with a hand on the Sabbath. Next thing we see here is the hard questions about the Sabbath. The hard questions about the Sabbath. Notice with me in verse number three. And he saith to the man, so Jesus saith to the man which had the withered hand, stand forth. So if you can imagine someone going up to Jesus, maybe as a Pharisee, and said, hey, there's a guy over there with a withered hand. What are you going to do about it? And so Jesus, to his credit, of course, he is the son of God who's perfect. He didn't hide from the man. He didn't um, ask the man to come back and meet him later. Jesus called him forth in front of everyone. Hey, you, come here. 
So the band comes forth. Notice if you don't mind in verse 4. And he saith unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day or to do evil? To save life or to kill? Now, he's asking this question of the Pharisees. So if you can imagine all the Pharisees have gathered together, they point out this guy with a withered hand. So what are you going to do about him? Jesus said, all right, come here. So the guy comes up. Again, he doesn't realize that he's being used as a setup. But Jesus addressed all the Pharisees that are now watching with just salivating looks. All right, now we've got him. He can't get out of here. We've got him trapped. And here they have this well-laid trap. In their own mind, they're going to prove that Jesus is not as right with God as he claims to be. He's not as holy as he claims to be. And we're going to prove it now by asking Jesus to do work. On the Sabbath. Now, again, for the Hebrew people, to do any kind of work was against the Sabbath. And so Jesus asked a question of them Is it right to do right on the Sabbath day? That's a good question. Is it right to do right? Is it lawful on the Sabbath day to heal or to kill? He says, What is it uh, that makes things good to do on the Sabbath day? Notice again in verse 4. And he said, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day or to do evil? To save life or to kill? So, we know that it's always wrong to do wrong. No matter what day it is. There's not a certain day of the week where it says, alright, you could do right from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But on Friday, you go ahead and do all the wrong. That's the day that you set aside to do wrong. Is that a certain day? Do you have that on your calendar? That, you know, you have it circled. All right, this Friday, I'm planning on doing wrong. This is the day I've set aside. I'm going to do evil on this day. Well, of course we're not going to say. It's never a good day to do wrong. Well, what about the next? Is there a certain day you're allowed to do good? Can you mark it on your calendar and say, All right, you can do good on all these other days, but this one day, you're not allowed to do any good. How about that? What does that make sense? It's always wrong to do wrong. And it's always right to do right. Well, he asked this question of them and he, with the idea, is it right to save a life during the Sabbath? Is it right? What should we do? We know <coughs> he's setting aside this question. And you know what the Pharisees did? They did not give an answer. It says they held their peace. They didn't want to admit that they were wrong, and they didn't want to say the wrong answer. So much for this foolproof trap that they had set aside for Jesus. They were, before this, they said, all right, we got him. There's no way he could weasel himself out of this. There's no way that he could trick himself out of this. We've got him pegged to rights. But Jesus just answered him question. Is it right to do right on the Sabbath day? Now let's make a application with this, that we know that we do not have the Sabbath day. We now honor the Lord's day because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we did not change the calendar. Jesus changed the calendar. We see that in the New Testament, that the New Testament church began to honor the Lord's day, which is Sunday. The Sabbath day is a Saturday. However, we still apply the same principles. But we do know that there are some people that say that we're not supposed to work on the Sabbath day or on the Lord's day. Now we have to define what we mean by work. For example, 
some people will criticize churches for running a bus route. What's a bus route? A bus route is when people take a car, a van, a bus, and they go up and pick people up for church. They may pick up boys and girls. And by the way, running a bus route is hard. It's work. Ask anybody who's ever worked a bus route. They'll wear you out. It's tiring because you got to keep all the chickens in line. You got to keep them up there. You got to keep them going. What about a Sunday school class? Does Sunday school class work? Absolutely. What about preaching? Is preaching work? It is. There's a lot of work to be done. What about being a sound man in the audio man? I meant that's the most thankless job in the church. He gets yelled at and never gets the credit. He, but when everything goes wrong, you look at him and say, what's going on? How come it's not fixed? How come I don't hear sound? I meant the sound guy gets, I meant that's a lot of work. It's not relaxing to do that. Well, is it wrong to do those things? No, that's not what we're talking about. It is right to do those things. It is right to bring boys and girls, men and women to church. It is right to labor to see them come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. And yes, it may be exhausting, but we're doing it for the Lord. And it is right to do those things on the Lord's day. Now, we would recommend that people don't work a job if they don't have to. And we know that there are certain other things that people may choose to do. But we're saying we need to set this aside to do good in God's eyes on this day. And that's what Jesus is trying to teach. He's not trying to teach. Uh, the Pharisees are trying to teach you don't do nothing. You don't go outside your house. You stay inside of your house and you relax and you do nothing. But this is what not what Jesus is teaching. He's saying it's right to do right on this day that is set aside. And that may mean that we do a little bit of labor. Jesus technically did work when he heals this man in just a moment. So we ask some hard questions about the Sabbath. Do we just use this day where we don't do any good? This is our day where we don't do anything? That's not what God set it aside for. It's always right to do right no matter what day it is. And so now we come to another thing that we see here. We start off with the idea of the hand on the Sabbath. So we start off with this man who's being set up to see to, for the Pharisees to prove to the entire world how unrighteous, how unholy Jesus Christ is. Jesus counters by asking some hard questions about the Sabbath and it came out the Pharisees were the ones that were trapped. And they said not a word. I mean, what are they going to say? No, no one can ever be healed on the Sabbath. No, it's never good to do right on the Sabbath. I mean, what are they going to say? So they say nothing. So then we come to the idea here of the hardness of their hearts. Notice what occurs in verse number 5. And when he, this is Jesus, looked round about on them with anger. Now this year in my personal Bible reading, I'm uh, looking for emotions in the Bible. So what I'm doing is I start it from Genesis, and any time an emotion was brought up in the Bible, I'm writing it down. I'm now on Second uh, Samuel or First Samuel chapter twenty, and I've already got forty-three pages of notes of dealing with the idea of emotions in the Bible. So any times it talks about joy or peace or fear, whenever it talks about gladness or it talks about uh, um, crying out to, to someone. When it's showing any type of emotion, I'm writing it down. And it just so happens that this verse 5 is full of emotion. And notice whose emotion it is. It's dealing with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Notice with me in chapter five, or chapter three, verse five. And when he, Jesus, looked round about on them, this the Pharisees, with anger. Did you know that Jesus got angry? Here's these men who tried to set Jesus up to prove to the world that Jesus was not holy and he was not right. And Jesus looks about them because they didn't answer him a word because they don't want to incriminate themselves. They don't want to admit that they're wrong. And he looks at them with anger. Could you imagine what that look would look like when he's looking at each of the Pharisees, waiting for them to answer? And he's looking on them with anger. Jesus is angry here. What is making Jesus so upset? What is he making him angry for these people? Notice this. And when he looked around about them with anger, being grieved. Here's a second emotion. Not only was he angry, but he was grieved. He was brokenhearted over them. He's looking at them and he's upset. He's angry. He's grieved. Why? What is making Jesus go through this emotions? Jesus, who is God. Jesus, who was God robed in flesh. Jesus, who was the perfect sinless one, who never sinned, is angry and grieved. Why? Notice again, and when he looked around about them with anger, being grieved, why? For the hardness of their hearts. Jesus is broken hearted. And he's angry because of their hardened hearts. May I tell you where you get a hardened heart from? They've got hardened hearts. Where do they get a hardened heart come? Hardened hearts. Listen carefully. Hardened hearts. The hardness of a heart comes from disobedience. God's clear commands. Hardness of a heart comes from disobedience to God's clear commands. So there are certain clear commands that the Bible gives. There are certain things that God tells you to do. And when you disobey God's word, what happens every time you disobey, your heart hardens just a little bit. It begins to stiffen up. And if you disobey enough, that hardened heart becomes stone-like. It's no longer tender. It's no longer sensitive to the Lord. A sensitive heart towards God is very tender. That when we do something wrong, that heart's like, oh, you messed up. And we want that. We want that tender heart. But what happens is that when people say, no, I don't want to obey this. This isn't something I want to do. I don't care what the preacher says. I don't care what the Bible says. I don't care what Jesus says. This isn't what I'm going to do. Their heart begins to harden. And that hardened heart gets into the place where they're further from God and their hearts are no longer moldable by God. God can't penetrate it. It takes a lot more to work through that soil, that hard soil. And God's word doesn't take root anymore. It just bounces right off. It doesn't take root. God can't work with them anymore because they're stiff and dried, stony. And it's because of disobedience. And so Jesus is looking at these men around him who have purposed in their heart that they will not obey God. We don't care what he says, we're not going to obey him. And Jesus is looking at their hardened hearts, 
and he's angry and he's grieved. May I tell you that God is angry and grieved when we disobey and we disobey and we disobey. That we should be the type of people that say, God, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. I don't care what it is, I'll do it. Because what the most dangerous thing that can happen to any Christian is to be under preaching like this and to hear God's word, but don't do anything about it. Remember, disobedience is not just purposely saying, I'm not going to obey. It's not making a decision to obey in the first place. You know what some of the most hardened people are? Is church people who refuse to obey God's word. There are some people who have never had the opportunity to obey God's word that still have a sensitive heart that if you just showed them from the Bible, they'd be willing to listen. But it's church people that get the hardened hearts because they get to the place where they're no longer obeying what God has given them to do. They don't make a decision. They don't purpose to obey. Let me give you a scene. Let's take a young teenager who knows he's supposed to read the Bible, but he puts it off. He doesn't necessarily mean to. He just never made a decision to. And so he doesn't do it. And then he doesn't do it. And he knows he should pray, but he just never gets around to doing it. And he knows it's something to do. You know, that's disobedience. Even though he didn't purposely say, I'm not going to obey God. It may be just, I know I should do it, but I'm not. But he never made a decision to do that. His heart begins to harden. And it begins to stiffen up. And then it gets to the place where God can no longer direct his life because of disobedience. Let's take a mother who sits in church. She wants to be sweet. She wants to raise her kids for the Lord. But she gets so busy doing the things or raising the kids and, and getting things done that she doesn't take time to read her Bible. She doesn't take time to pray as she ought. And she knows she should, and she's not against it. She shows up to church and loves to hear it, but never makes a decision to obey. Her heart begins to stiffen, and she doesn't even realize it until later. And it becomes easier to say no. It becomes easier not to obey. It becomes easier just to show up at church and daydream and just be there instead of listen. You know, it's times like this where we're not gathered together physically, but we're gathered together over the internet that God is proving you. This is a time where you get to see your own integrity. What is integrity? Integrity is doing what is right when no one is looking. Let me tell you that where you're at right now, no one is watching you. You could be doing dishes and half-heartedly listening right now. But you know what's going to happen to you? Is your heart is going to get hardened because God is trying to get your attention and you're only half listening with no intention of obeying. You may be just listening now and just saying, I'm just doing it because I'm supposed to. But you're not anticipating God speaking to you. You're not looking forward to it. It may be that you missed it all together and you're listening to this on a replay when you chose not to gather together. You see, this is a dangerous time for you because no one's watching you and no one's keeping tabs. If you decide to skip one, no one's going to notice. But God does. This is your chance 
your opportunity to stay close to God and stay sensitive to God and look for him to speak to it and plan for it and make application that when the preacher preaches and the Bible is open, what are you going to do with this? Because God expects us to obey every time his word is open. He expects you to do something with it. And right now, with everything going on, it may be novel. We've been watching on the internet, yay! But what's going to happen very soon is that it's start going to start to be old. It's going to start to get to the place where it's routine. It's going to be the place where it's just a voice going on a computer or some speakers. And sure, what's wrong with me trying to get some other work done while I'm listening? What's wrong with me trying to get some dishes done? What's wrong with me trying to fold the laundry? But what's happening is that you're not preparing to listen to God's word. You don't have a pen and paper ready and say, "How oh God, I want God to speak to me. I'm prepared. You're not making yourself where you have an invitation on a family altar at home. After we get done preaching, the most important part of a church service is the invitation. How are you going to respond to God's word? How are you, what are you going to do with what God has told you to do? Some of you might even only be half listening to me now. You may be daydreaming. You may be saying, hurry up and get over because I'm hungry. Maybe you're even munching on a Whopper now instead of putting your full attention on God's word. You understand what I'm trying to warn you of is something here that Jesus said. That Jesus was angry and grieved because of the hardness of their hearts. Where did their heart, hardened hearts come from? From them not obeying God's word. Half-heartedly listening. Only obeying what they wanted to obey. And because of that, without them even knowing it, it was subtle and quiet and they didn't even notice it happening. Their hearts became hardened. Notice as we go on in verse 5. And when he looked round about them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thy hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. Oh, Jesus healed his hand. He was now had full use of it. Could you imagine? It's stuck. He's never been able to move it forward. It's always been in one position. But Jesus said, stretch out your hand. And the amazing thing, it worked. It worked. It's just the same. I can move it. I have function again. I can rotate. This is amazing. Oh, it was a great day for him. But notice how the Pharisees responded. You'd almost think, look at this, a great miracle. Look at this, something happened, praise the Lord. But instead, verse 6, And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. What are the Herodians, by the way? The Herodians were not a religious party they were a political party. And the Herodians had the idea that their problems could be solved if they let the government uh, rule for them. That they had uh, joined up with Herod the Great and his sons. And it carried the idea here that if they trusted the government and if they put their 
their political power, their clout, beside a political process that they could bring in peace in their world. And the Pharisees joined up, who were a religious group, joined up with a political group to stand against Christ. And we're going to see that joining together and the effects of it going all the way back to when Jesus Christ is crucified on Calvary's hill. What we see is the seedbeds. Where does it come from? Where did it come from? Here were some people that would have, if you asked them years ago, would they stand against God's Messiah? They said, no. Why would we? No, that's what we're waiting for. But they found themselves standing against God's Messiah. Why? Because they didn't prepare their hearts to obey the Lord. They wanted to do things their own way and did not purpose to obey what God has given them to do. Now I'm saying these things because I love you. And I'm letting you know that what the reality is is that soon this will get old. We have the principle here of the Sabbath day. It's always right to do right. Especially on a day that's set aside for the Lord. When this is set aside for the Lord, you should be putting your attention on what God is trying to do that day. That means for these services here, even though you may be there and we may be here, you need a purpose in your heart and make it a special time where you're seeking after God. You're preparing to look for God. You need to keep it so that way when this is over, your heart is not hardened and stoned over. And you won't even realize that it is occurring until we start meeting back together and you're expected to serve the Lord. It may be where you don't even realize how bad you are until you're exposed once again to the expectation of serving God and being obedient to Him. We don't want that to happen to you. We don't want that to be the place where you break God's heart because you're not prepared to obey Him. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you. <music>